Scripture reading is found in Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to 42. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered the village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks. Thank you for being with us today. My name is Pastor Jeffrey. If you've been with us, you would, you've been maybe trying to guess what kind of series we're doing. And there doesn't seem to be a certain cohesion to all of it. But what we are doing is that we are going over the lectionary readings. Um, historically, the church used to read scripture all together uh, at the same time. And so that is what we have chosen to do, follow the rest of the world, uh, the whole world church and read what they are reading on a given Sunday and then preach from that text. And so that's what we've been doing. Um, there is no, we're not going through the book of Romans or anything like that, but for summer, because we know a lot of you guys are kind of coming in and out, we just wanted to do one-off sermons so that you wouldn't feel like you are left behind. Um, and so that explains why there is a, a random amount of text. It's not really random. It is planned. But let me go to the Lord in prayer and pray for us as we go and hear God's word. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. Lord, we pray that you would reveal yourself to us. Father, we need your word. We need every part of your word so that our souls are fed and that we understand who you are. And that as we understand who you are, we desire to become more and more like your son, Jesus. For this is why we come to worship you, to give you glory and also to receive your grace. And so we pray that your word would be powerful right now and that you would receive all the honor as the word is preached. Open our hearts, open our souls, open our ears so that we may receive your powerful and holy word. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I am running my fourth marathon this year. I'll be running in, in October, and that means training is in full effect. And uh, the most difficult part of training is actually not the running. You get better and better at that. It's actually the change in diet. Um, used to, well, when I used to run, I used to um, eat whatever I wanted because I concluded, if I run and exercise, I should be able to eat whatever I want. So I eat pizza, burgers, and all those things. But you quickly find out that if you do that, the marathon training experience is horrendous. You can't move. You're sluggish. You have no motivation. You don't want to go out and do the run. So what happens is you change your diet. You eat a little bit healthier. You have more salads. You drink more water. And you do all those things because the training experience becomes pleasant. Come late August, early September, there will be a point where I feel like a gazelle. I am not there yet. 
But I will feel like a gazelle, light, springy, powerful, and I am going. And it has a lot to do with my diet. Now, why am I talking about my marathon training and my diet? Largely, I just wanted to brag. Um, no, uh, I wanted your prayers, but also I think there is a lot of parallels of training for a marathon and being a disciple of Jesus Christ. And I think that is what Luke is trying to get at today in this text. That if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, you can't just do the work. You actually have to have a robust diet. You need to feed on Jesus. And he gives us a scenario between Martha and Mary in which both are spiritually hungry, longing for Jesus, longing to satisfy their souls, longing to do the work of Jesus. But we see two different approaches. One begins to serve Jesus. The other one simply sits at his feet. And there's no surprise ending here. What Luke is trying to show us is that we, as disciples of Christ, need to sit at the feet of Jesus to be an effective disciple of Jesus so that we may not get burnt out, that we may not get injured, but that we could serve the Lord in a glorious way. And that is what Luke is trying to tell us today, and hopefully that is what I will try to convey in this message. So there's only two points, really. We're going to be looking at Martha, and we're going to be looking at Mary. For the first point, I've titled it, Hangry Martha. What is hangry? Hangry is a modern term in which someone is hungry, and instead of eating, they try to do things, and then they get very angry. Everyone has experienced this before. I know I have. I've become cranky, can't function, and cannot move. And I think this is what happens to Martha as Jesus has come to her house. Now, what has happened now? Jesus has come to Martha and Mary's house, and what is taking place? Well, you have to understand that Jesus has not come alone. That most likely there is about maybe 12 people in Martha and Mary's home. It seems like it's only Jesus, but Jesus has commissioned out 72 disciples to go before him and enters into certain villages so that the gospel of Jesus Christ would be proclaimed. And as this is going on, they entered people's homes and they would share the news with them. So most likely, it is not only Jesus who has entered into Martha and Mary's home. We think maybe there's maybe six, maybe two, maybe three or four, yet we know that it's more than Jesus and he is teaching in their home. And so as he's teaching, Martha is being a good get, um, host. She's getting everything ready. And this is not just simply a thing that she wants to do for Jesus. This is also a tra Middle Eastern tradition. If guests enter your home, you can't just say, sit there. I'm not going to provide anything. You have to show great hospitality. You have to make the guests feel like they are honored. And so this is exactly what Martha is doing. She's getting wine and water and food prepared for the people who have entered their home. And Luke is showing that Martha is doing a good thing. She is not simply serving them or waiting on them. Luke uses the word diakonia. They are waiting on Jesus. She is doing a good thing. So I, first, I just want to get out of the way. Martha is not doing anything bad at this point. She is doing something beautiful in trying to serve her Lord. 
whom she calls Lord at this point, and try to make sure that they all feel at home in her house. But you can imagine it could be quite overwhelming. And so Martha looks for Mary for some help. And then she sees Mary acting like one of the guests. She's sitting at the feet of Jesus and learning, and she is no longer helping Martha. And so Martha is enraged. She is not simply peeved or annoyed. She is in an uproar. And you can tell by her actions and how Jesus assesses the situation. For when Martha comes into the room, she doesn't simply say, Hey, Mary, can I talk to you for a second? She disrupts the whole teaching session and says, Jesus, can you come talk to me? And Jesus says, Sure. And comes over and talks to Martha and says, What's going on? And she says, Do you not care? That Mary is not helping me? That she has left me? And the word Martha uses there is not simply left. It's more as if she has abandoned her. And so she says, do you not care that my sister Mary has abandoned me to care for all these people by myself? And so before Jesus can even say, oh, of course I do care, Martha says, tell her to come help me. She gives a command to Jesus. And Jesus understands what is going on, and he says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious. And that word anxious is a word used many times that speaks about anxiety. She is getting to a point where she has so much fear in her life that she is not going to entertain as she ought, that the, the people are going to talk bad about her, that her guests are not going to feel welcomed. He says, Martha, you are anxious. But Jesus also says you are troubled, and that word troubled does not mean a simple annoyance. It is the same word that that Luke uses to describe of the crowds and how they felt towards Jesus. It's an uproar. It's a deep-rooted anger of messing up the status quo. So Jesus assesses Martha and says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. And what does ultimately Martha want from talking to Jesus? She wants to be justified in her feelings. She's not looking for a solution. She has asked Jesus to approach Mary and rebuke her, right? Because she could have simply gone up to her and just asked for some help, asked her grievance, um, told her grievance simply to her personally, but she wanted Jesus to see what Martha was feeling and asked if she could rebuke Mary. Now, why is this narrative even in the Gospels? Because in the overall scheme of things, this seems just like a little tiff. It just seems like a a little fight in a grand scheme of things. But I think Luke is getting to something bigger. See, this passage comes in a larger narrative of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Here, before this particular scene, we see Jesus telling the disciples that if you follow him, that if you become one of his, that there will be a cost, that you will have no comfort here on this earth. 
And he has commanded all his disciples to not be static, but to go into the homes, into different villages, and to preach the news of Jesus Christ, to preach that the kingdom of God is near and that people must repent. And he warns them that you will be rejected. You will be denied. You will not have the comforts of this life, but you will see that what he is preaching is far greater than any worldly comfort. And then the disciples asked, where do we go? Who do we share this gospel to? And this is when he gives the great provocative parable of the Good Samaritan. You need to go to everybody, even people you don't feel comfortable with. You need to do this great task. And then comes this story of Martha and Mary. And I think what Luke is trying to show us and what Jesus has been teaching us is that if you serve Jesus, you will be pushed to the limits. You will. You will be pushed in ways that you don't realize. And we see this. James and John, they call them the brothers of thunder. Why do they call them that? Because they were spreading the news of Jesus and they got rejected. And what did they do? They said, Jesus, should we call fire down from heaven so that these people burn? They missed the whole message of the gospel. You are not supposed to go and burn people and kill people. Yet here in this small scenario, we see Martha acting in the same way. She is trying to serve Jesus, and at this time, she is burning with anger, so much so that she wants her sister to be rebuked by her Lord and Savior. Brothers and sisters, this is true of all of us. We can all easily slide and become like Martha. We can be doing the work of the church. We can be serving Jesus without actually having Jesus. And I think this is the whole point that Luke is trying to show everybody. That you may think you're doing a good and noble task by serving the church, by going into ministry, by taking time and being faithful to the work of the church. But he wants to quickly show us that you cannot simply do this work by yourself. It will be impossible. Do not simply do the work of Jesus for you will find yourself in an uproar and in rage. Because all of us are longing to find satisfaction in our souls. All of us are looking for ways to satisfy that emptiness in our soul. And just by working for Jesus does not mean you will satisfy your soul. And here I think this is what they're trying to show with Martha. You can be serving Jesus, but you could be on fumes. And so Jesus points to Mary and says, Mary has done the right thing. And the second point I'm just putting out there for Mary is that she's simply hungry. Mary is not hangry, but she is hungry, and she knows what her soul truly needs. And she knows that she needs to just sit at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus commends this to, to her as he says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. And he says something very provocative. Only one thing is needed. 
Not many things, only one thing. And what is this one thing? He says that Mary has chosen the good portion. Now, what does this mean? What portion has Mary chosen? Well, if you're well-versed in the Old Testament, you would know that this word means inheritance, lot, share. Mary has chose the inheritance first before everything. In Psalm 73, verse 26, oftentimes God is seen as the great inheritance, the lot, the portion. It says, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Psalm 16, verse 5, the Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. What has Mary chosen in this scenario? She has chosen Christ to be her everything. Luke cannot make it more clear. She has chosen Jesus over serving Jesus. She has chosen Jesus over the traditions of mankind. She has chosen Jesus over the wants and desires of others. She has chosen Jesus over her sister. And Luke and Jesus is saying, this is what needs to be done. In every scenario, everything you pursue, you must choose Jesus first. You must sit at his feet continually to be his disciple to be sustained. Now, why is this the case? Why is this the one thing that is needed? Well, you have to think about what God is asking all his disciples to do. He's asking all of them to love a hostile world, a world that does not want to be loved by God himself. Yet he has commissioned his disciples, if you're going to follow me, you must do the work that I command. And he is calling them into the darkness. If you are going to be a disciple of Jesus, you are going to need the teachings of Jesus to sustain your soul. Simply by smiling and having a can-do attitude will not enable you to do the work of Jesus. You cannot do it. If you think that's all you need, then you have misunderstood, first, the sin of this world. You're taking it way too lightly. Second, you have under misunderstood the need for Christ. Those two things you have deeply misunderstood. Jesus is saying you cannot go into that battlefield with a simple smile and a candid attitude. Rather, you need the Holy Spirit, something heavenly to empower you to do the work. Jesus has called us in the Samaritan parable to love your enemies, people who are hostile towards you. You are called to love people who will reject you, tell you to go away. You have been called to love your enemies. You cannot do this under your own power. And you have been called to serve along sinners. So it's not just loving the other person. It's also loving people who are within your church family, people who are not perfect by any means. And they will begin to grate at you, and they will begin to annoy you. And, that, and Jesus understands all of this. And he's saying, I know who you guys are. 
You will not last in the church if you try to do it under your own power. You need me. The disciple of Jesus must be primarily focused on sitting at the feet of Jesus. It is not doing the work of Jesus. Though the pastors and other offers may say, hey, can you serve this way? Can you serve this way? The primary call of being a Christian is really to learn from Jesus, to be with Jesus. Jesus did not save you just so that you would be one of his workers. He saved you so that he could have an intimate relationship with you. He longs to tell you how much he loves you. He longs to ex- for you to experience his great love. He longs for you to experience great joy in knowing him. He knows that there is nothing greater than knowing him. He knows that, and he wants that for you. And he says, sit at my feet and learn. You see, the most dangerous person in the church is not the sinner. It's the person who works for Jesus continually without ever sitting at the feet of Jesus. The most dangerous people in church have historically been the pastors, the evangelists, the officers of the church, as they continually work and try to perform the work of Jesus without ever sitting at his feet. The one practical thing that you can take away is to pray for the officers of our church. Pray that they would have a deep and intimate relationship with Christ himself. More than becoming a better preacher, more than becoming a better deacon, more than becoming a better functioning church, you need to primarily pray that at the cost of everything, they must be at the feet of Jesus. They must learn from Mary herself. Because the joy of Jesus is what will drive everything. And Jesus has set it up that way. So continue to pray for your officers, your leaders, everyone who is serving Jesus, that they may see how good Jesus is and that our souls will be stirred up to the great love of Jesus and be like Mary, who doesn't even say that much, says nothing actually, but simply is glad to be at the feet of Jesus. I want to read to you Psalm 119.57 in which... This whole concept of the Lord being our portion is an amazing thing. And I want you to hear the tone and how much joy there is when someone just simply sits at the feet of Jesus and chooses Jesus. Psalm 119 verse 57 to 64 says this, The Lord is my portion. I promise to keep your words. I entreat your favor with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your promise. When I think on my ways, I turn my feet to your testimonies. I hasten and do not delay to keep your commandments. Though the cords of the wicked ensnare me, I do not forget your law. At midnight, I rise to praise you because of your righteous rules. I am a companion of all who fear you, of those who keep your precepts. The earth, O Lord, is full of your steadfast love. Teach me your statutes. That is the posture that all of us who call ourselves disciples of Jesus need to have. 
to rise at midnight and say, what has my Lord said to me? Because there is nothing more profound and beautiful than the words of Jesus. And my prayer for all of you is that you would choose Jesus to be your portion and to love him with great love and to continually sit at his feet forevermore. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray that we will sit at your feet and learn all that you have to teach us. Help us to follow after our sister Mary, who knew right away that her soul thirsted for something great. And that as you entered into her home, she saw that you did not call her to simply serve you, but you called her to be in a relationship with you. Reignite that first love in all of us where we get excited to hear about your rules and your statutes and your word. That as we wake, that we would wake to the glorious word that is waiting for us in scripture. Jesus, you are our portion. May we cherish it, may we love it, and may we give you all the glory and honor. Amen.